One of the super common questions I get at the end of a keynote is how to bring up the subject of imposter syndrome with a colleague or team member, and then what to do to help them. Because it's so easy to freeze or talk ourselves out of broaching the subject or worry that the other person will react badly or that we won't know what to say or do next, so we avoid it and that leaves the person stuck. It perpetuates the taboo and we feel bad because we wanted to make a difference. So in today's Soul Led Leaders podcast episode, I'm going to share with you what you can do, mistakes to avoid, and how to find out what to do to move beyond tea and sympathy if you've got it right and the person does want help. The Soul Led Leaders podcast is for corporate leaders who are making waves and changing the rules with their hearts, not just their heads. But they know that their secret 3am self-talk is getting in the way. Where others stress about the status quo, you're the action taker who drives the changes and making a difference and being a crusader is hardwired into your DNA. The Soul Led Leader podcast is here to help. Led by Claire Yosa, law changer, eight times author and international speaker, each episode is designed to help you to clear out the secret glass ceilings you never realized you'd put in your own way so that you can step up showing up with all of who you really are and reclaim your power to make the difference you know you are really here to make in the world with clarity, confidence and passion. The show notes for today's episode are at soulledleaders.fm forward slash 27. And I want you to visit that link because I have got some gift resources there for you that are really going to help with this. So it's important for you to know that early results from the 2021 imposter syndrome research study are showing that imposter syndrome levels are rising fast. It's not a surprise because we know that long-term chronic stress and anxiety and worry and uncertainty can all add to the triggers of imposter syndrome. And We've been through quite a lot of that over the last 18 months of the pandemic, if you're with me listening to this as the episode comes out in October 2021. So it's becoming an even more vital life skill for leaders to be able to know how to handle imposter syndrome, not just for themselves, but with colleagues and with teammates. Because the research shows that without support, imposter syndrome impacts performance, it impacts productivity, it can increase anxiety, stress levels, it can turn someone to a become a toxic micromanaging bully boss, turning their entire team toxic in as little as a few weeks. So ignoring it isn't practical, isn't healthy, and doesn't meet an employer's soon-to-come-in obligations to create a safe psychological and emotional culture in the workplace. So what can you do? It's even harder for leaders at the moment because it's even easier for people to hide because everything's online. Even if they're in the office, they can still hide, but they can hide their imposter syndrome so much more easily during a Zoom or Teams call, particularly if the company culture is video off. You don't know if the reason they're not speaking up is because they genuinely have nothing to say, if they've popped off for a comfort break, or if imposter syndrome is making themselves sabotage by staying quiet. So let's imagine you've got a team member or a colleague where you're pretty sure that they might be running imposter syndrome based on what you know, and you want to raise the topic. But what if they run a mile and avoid you for the rest of your mutual careers? What if you hit their ego button and they're mortally offended? What if they go into denial and it simply causes awkwardness in your future relationship? What if they get angry? What if they cry? And what if, God forbid, they admit it and ask for help. What do you do? What do you say? 
Well, there are two things that you must do before you raise the topic. And I don't use the word must lightly. If you know my work, you know that I'm all for choice and freedom. But these two things are non-negotiable, okay? (laughs) So before you ask someone whether they're running imposter syndrome and whether they'd like help, you need to know the warning signs. You need to be able to spot those tells. And there is a difference between imposter syndrome and self-doubt. So self-doubt is about what we can and can't do. The kind of self-talk somebody will be using then is, I don't know as much as I should. I don't know as much as other people. I can't do that. It's all about our actions and our behaviours. Now, one of the dangerous things you can do when you try to do an imposter syndrome intervention is to take somebody who's running that self-doubt, that lack of confidence in their abilities, and give them the badge of honour, the label of imposter syndrome, because that can keep them stuck. It can actually make imposter syndrome come up for them. So imposter syndrome, they'll be talking about, what if they find me out? Yeah, me out. What if they realize I am not good enough? What if they find out that I'm a fraud, that they made a mistake hiring me? This is all about that deeper level identity stuff. Who am I to be doing this? So being able to spot the warning signs and actually know more objectively that it's imposter syndrome is a vital first step. Some of the other warning signs that you might like to look for include somebody's holding back on their ideas. The research study showed us that 61% of female respondents had done this in the past year on a regular basis or daily due to imposter syndrome. So they're not speaking up with their best ideas. They might have mentioned them to you one-to-one and then they keep quiet in the meeting or they back down easily when they're challenged. Another warning sign, 51% were writing their success off as fluke. So this is not owning their achievements. When they're praised, they write it off as, ah, that was just luck, or it was a team effort, or good timing, or they volunteer a but and then criticise themselves. 45% of female respondents, and lower for men, were not applying for promotions that it was quite obvious they were qualified for. They might be a bit of a stretch, but they were ready to go for them. 33% were lying awake worrying at three o'clock in the morning that someone would find them out on a regular or daily basis. And 30% in the past year had been hiding, not being visible. So they didn't have to be top of mind, not going for opportunities to shine, but feeling resentful when somebody else stepped up and got the limelight. And then there are four other warning signs it's worth looking for. They are what I call the four P's of imposter syndrome. So the first one, perfectionism. Setting your standards unachievably high and writing it off as fluke or luck or, yeah, but anybody could have done that when you actually achieve them. You might spot this because someone's suddenly working super long hours or they are being hypercritical of their own work. The second P is procrastination, filling our time with busyness, looking like we're making progress, but actually avoiding dealing with the thing that's triggering imposter syndrome for us. The third P is project paralysis, classic freeze response, rabbit in headlights, doing nothing on a project and concealing that fact until the deadline and the adrenaline of the deadline gets you pushing on through. And the fourth P is people pleasing. So this might be somebody going into a meeting with one set of priorities and coming out with another. It might be them taking on projects that really don't belong to them, that don't allow them to shine in order to feel like they belong. So these are some of the warning signs in the self-sabotage behaviours you want to be looking for. And remember, imposter syndrome is that 
The secret sauce there is that fear of being found out. It's not just about what we can and can't do, it's about who we are. Now, the second non-negotiable before you dive in and go and try and help someone with imposter syndrome is you need to get yourself out of the way. I talk about projection versus perception on my imposter syndrome first aider training. What this means is so much of life we filter through our experience. So we might see somebody doing something or saying something and think, oh, that must mean this because that's how we would be processing it. It's how we would be meaning it. So if you are running imposter syndrome, for example, you might well have a filter that means you're more likely to interpret somebody else's behavior as imposter syndrome, even if it's not. Perception is about using our senses, getting factual, looking at behaviors, being specific, rather than making assumptions and jumping to conclusions. So perception versus projection. Yeah, making sure that we're not putting ourselves in the way as we're interpreting those behaviors. So those are the two non-negotiable things. Make sure you've got the research-backed warning signs to look for and make sure you've got yourself out of the way. So when you've done this, how do you raise the subject? Well, I've got a gift for you to go with today's podcast. I've got an entire PDF mini training guide for you on the kind of advice you can give and how to raise the topics. I'm going to cover it a bit now, but if you want the whole guide to take you through, you can get it as my gift at claireyosa.com forward slash advice. And that link will also be on the show notes page at soulledleaders.fm forward slash 27. So make sure you go and register and get that sent straight to your inbox. But how do you raise the subject? So it's a delicate area. You need to move, as I said, beyond your gut telling you that they've got imposter syndrome to actually have some data there, behavioral based, write it down if that helps you and get yourself out of the way. So one of the first things I suggest is if at all possible, have this discussion in person. If that's not an option, break the mold. If your company normally uses Teams or Zoom for meetings, pick up the phone call the person, help them know that this is a different kind of discussion. And then the key is when you start the discussion is talk about the behaviours, make them specific so that the person will actually recognise them, will actually say, yeah, I remember doing that rather than generic. So for example, in this morning's meeting, I noticed that you seemed to flinch when Fred asked you a question and then you didn't share that idea that you told me about. I've done that kind of thing too in the past would it help to talk about what was happening for you? So you're not mentioning imposter syndrome at all. You're allowing them simply to talk without a label, without judgment, with full active compassion, without you projecting your stuff and your interpretation. What was happening for you? How can I support you? And then another really useful approach is use me as an excuse. <laughs> I was listening to this podcast episode the other day where I downloaded the advice guide at claireyosa.com forward slash advice. I was reading this thing about imposter syndrome the other day where you feel like you're going to be found out as not good enough. I know I felt that way too. I was wondering if you might have as well. Would you like to talk about it? I might be able to help. It's opening up the conversation without judgment. And the other key here, again, I talk about this in much more detail in my imposter syndrome first aider training, but the other key here is without attachment, without attachment to them going, yay, Claire, you are right. You rock. I feel pants. Yeah. <laughs> Not requiring them to accept 
the name imposter syndrome for how they're feeling and how they're behaving. And then what do you do once they've opened up the conversation? Yeah, <laughs> And we've got the tea and sympathy. And one of the huge, huge, huge problems with imposter syndrome is the vast majority of advice out there isn't actually about how to prevent it, how to set yourself free from it, how to cure it or anything. It's about how to cope better how to build a better bridge of coping strategies over the ravine I call the imposter syndrome gap. So there are five bits of advice that I strongly suggest, though they're super common, you do not use. I'm not going to go through these in detail right now because they're all there for you in the advice guide. But a whistle-stop tour. Fake it till you make it. So you take somebody who's scared of feeling like a fraud (laughs) and being found out, and you actually get them to consciously fake it. Uh Uh-uh. Number two push on through the fear. Again, super common. The advice guide explains to you on a neurological and physiological level why this is a bad idea. The other thing is we don't know what is triggering imposter syndrome for someone. For a huge number of people, it could actually be something that's a latent trauma. It doesn't have to have been a huge event in the past. It could be something that's called complex PTSD made up of a series of smaller trigger events. Pushing on through that kind of fear and judging yourself for not pushing on through can actually cause that trauma to resurface, leading to massive mental health issues. Number three, bad advice positive affirmations. Okay. Read the advice guide to find out why, but it basically sets you up for what I call the imposter syndrome pantomime because you're trying to paper over the cracks in a body and a mind that has primed itself to beat itself up. Number four, I feel like I need the chart music here from the 1980s of the top 10 countdown, (laughs) but I need it to perform. Okay. So telling somebody, yeah, yeah, I've got imposter syndrome. It's why I've been so successful is not helpful. That is a brilliant way to keep them stuck. I explain why and what you can do instead in the advice guide. And the fifth big mistake that people make when they're giving advice on imposter syndrome is that someone should just have an alter ego. They should look at somebody they admire in the outside world and say, hey, I'm going to channel my inner Beyonce during the presentation to the board this afternoon. So here's the thing. You've got somebody who's already scared that people are going to find out they're not good enough. And then we're asking them to pretend to be somebody else in order to be accepted. Again, the advice guide gives you more detail on why that's such a big issue and what you can be doing instead. So your resources on the show notes page today at soulledleaders.fm forward slash 27 include my free advice guide to really help you deep dive on this and get ready to have that conversation with someone. You can also get that at clayosa.com forward slash advice. And my deep dive 12 week training, don't worry, it's part time, super schedule friendlier on how to become a certified imposter syndrome first aider and actually be able to help people in that moment with imposter syndrome on an emergency basis and also to help them to be able to rewire their neurology and their body to prevent future outbreaks of imposter syndrome for them. You can find out about that at clayosa.com forward slash first aider. So I hope this has helped you to feel more confident in bringing up the subject of imposter syndrome with someone. If you've got specific questions, let me know. Hello at ClaireYosa.com or come and find me on LinkedIn, ClaireYosa. I'm usually the only one there unless someone's trying to pretend to be me. I'd love to hear from you. What do you think organizations could do to make it easier for their leaders to remove the imposter syndrome taboo so that Asking for help with it becomes as acceptable as asking for any kind of corporate training. So that's all for now. Show notes, 
solarleaders.fm forward slash 27. I will be back next week when we're going to be talking about are you on mute? And I'm not talking about Zoom calls. Have an amazing week. Show notes, deep dive resources, and access to Claire's inspirational weekly soul-led leaders. Email is available for you at clareyosa.com forward slash soul-led leaders.